Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. It's 11.06. It'll be Bazoo football coach Barry Odom joining us at 11.15. At 11.30, Cardinals president of baseball operations John Mosellock as he gets ready to head to Arizona for the GM meetings and a lot happening as the Cardinals get ready for 2020. There'll be a lot of discussion there. That's kind of where the ball gets rolling on offseason. How aggressive will the Cardinals be this offseason? We'll catch up with John Mosellock. Right now on the line with us is the head coach of the Missouri Tigers, and that's kind Conzo Martin, his basketball team, is 2-0 to start the year. They beat Incarnate Word, 82-42. And then on Friday night, they beat Northern Kentucky, 71-56. Good start, Coach. How are you? I'm doing fine, Tom. How you doing? Doing great. Nice win on Friday against Northern Kentucky. Thank you. Uh, Thank how you. did you come out of that one? What did you feel about that one? I thought we played good basketball. Uh, you know, it was uh, interesting to go against that matchup zone. Uh, normal two-three zone, but but kind of man-to-man principles. If you really hadn't seen it before, but I, and I thought our guys did a great job adjusting adjusting late in the first half. We started to drive the ball, start with Mark Smith. He did a great job of getting to the rim, and the way they played, they had a guy on Tillman, and they had guys hovering around, and they, they even blitzed him in their zone to keep the ball out of his hands. And I thought our guys saw the adjustments and did the right things, and, and they carried over into the second half. Yeah, Tillman ends up in double figures with 13 points and five rebounds, only commits two fouls, and was very efficient from the floor shooting five of six. That's a pretty good day for your big man. Yeah, I thought he did well. And, and again, um, you know, the, the way they played their zone, I mean, in the first two games you can tell they're going into the games to try to stop him. And oftentimes we play these games after the game because in most cases we won't see these preseason teams. Again, we, we, we exchange scouting reports and get their thoughts on what they think of our team and, and vice versa. Now, and, and both the first two games, the game plan was really to keep the ball out of Tillman's hand, and you guys have to beat us from the perimeter. If you can make plays, then you beat us. And uh, He's done a great job in that in keeping his composure because he, he does have the ability to score, and a lot of times he has the advantage around the rim. But like I tell him all the time, there will be a lot of one-on-one opportunities. Guys on the perimeter got to make shots and make plays. But until then, make the right decision with the basketball. He's done that. That's good to hear. It's as he goes, it seems you'll go, don't you think? I mean, he, I, I know the SEC pretty well. I don't know many big men that are better than him. Definitely. I mean, you, you talk about Gardner one on one to post that. That is a tough task because he's physically strong. And I think Jeremiah, in my opinion, Jeremiah's biggest competition is Jeremiah keeping himself, keeping composure, understanding situations, not being too physical when he's posting up guys. Uh, and, and I think once he does, because once he gets the ball in his hand, he's got good at making decisions versus doubles. He's good at one-on-one. He's good at around the rim, both hands, uh, good footwork. So I think, man, you have to send two guys that, because if he has the ball one-on-one, especially with the way he's shooting free throws, it's hard to guard. You have a lot of Smiths on your team. I want to get into them in just a minute. Uh, but 
I wanted to first look ahead at Xavier and let people know that it's going to get a little tougher here for you as you take on Xavier. But I know that this is a great challenge and for you to go into a non-conference situation in Cincinnati at the Cintas Center and play Xavier. You beat them, and that's a great, great win for you moving forward. It is. You're talking a really good test. I think they may be ranked 19, 20. Starting out when you got two started, four starters returning, all talented guys. So they bring back the starting four guys, almost 49 points from last season. Talented guys, experienced juniors and seniors. Uh, and, and I think for us, we played them last year. We played well against them. And I, I think the thing, we understand the game, playing the scouting report and all those things, but now you're on the road. I, I like these type of road environments early, and I think we are, we are experienced enough team to be able to understand the task at hand, the focus level, the ability to take care of take care of the ball, make sound decisions, do the right thing. So I think it'll be fun for us. Yeah, it's going to be fun. That's a 6 o'clock tip-off on CBS Sports Network. I'll make sure I have the popcorn ready for that one. I'm looking forward to it. If I can't be there, I'll be watching. So let me ask you about the Smiths. Uh, first of all, Mark Smith seems to be healthy, and that's great. 19 points yes. for him. You mentioned he really had a good game for you. Is he, in a lot of ways, a leader on this team? Yes, I mean, and Mark... Again, a, a different type of leader. He's, he's not a vocal guy. Which, he, and he'll talk, but he's not a loud guy. He's not uh, X Pinson, a guy that talks loud. You can hear X Pinson. Uh, okay. but, but Mark Smith, Drew Smith, those guys, they say the right things, but, but they're not rah, rah, rah like like a, uh, like a guys just all over the place. Like Kevin 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 Garnett, he was he was very voiceless, voiceless on the floor. He did a great job with that. But, but they're not those type of guys. They'll tell you what needs to be done. They, they talk in the huddles. They may do all that. But they, they speak with their actions. When you're talking Drew Smith and the Mark Smith, they speak with their work work ethic, their approach to the basketball game, that the business-like mindset, and, and just their craft and being good. Yeah, Drew is a very talented player. We saw that in the opening game against Incarnate Word. He goes for nine points, two of nine shooting in the Northern Kentucky game. But that's just a heady, smart player, isn't he? He's a talented basketball player, and, and the good thing about him going two of nine, he was five for five from the free throw line yeah. because he has that ability to get to the rim, and he does a, a great job of attacking down here, and, and that's an element that we didn't have consistently last year. I think he brings that to the table. Also, just the growth in Mark Smith's game and making plays at the rim. He made two great plays in the first half in attacking the rim. Yes, he did. And then, finally, Mitchell Smith, as we round out the Smiths. What Cardinals fans might not know is, one, Mitchell Smith is a huge Cardinals fan. Two, he used to be a pitcher, and he told me that when he watches baseball, he still thinks about it and watches pitch sequences, and he's very much into that. You, can you imagine a guy that tall coming at you? And he was pretty tall when he when he finally finished his pitching in, in high school. But he had a really good game for you. 10.7 rebounds, steps out, knocks down a couple of threes. That's a good game for Mitchell Smith. Well, I think he, he's, he's a different, different five-man force. Now, in that particular game, he had to play the four and the five because against zones, Mitch is probably right now our best flash guy, getting to the middle, making decisions, and he really opened up for us at the four position and Jeremiah at the five. Now when he's at the five position, he's a guy that can stretch you out and make three-point shots, and now you have to identify him on the perimeter. So just a different element at our five position when Jeremiah goes out the game. But I, but I thought he played well. I was happy to see him play well, but I thought he played a good all-around game. I thought he defended rebound he talked in, in the ball screens because one of the toughest things to defend on the college level is the ball screen action I thought he did a good job with that 
Yes, he did. And 10.7 rebounds and assists for Mitchell Smith. Again, knocks down a couple of threes. And the Tigers won that game 71-56 over Northern Kentucky. Missouri is 2-0 to start the season. They will play at Xavier on Tuesday night, a 6 o'clock tip-off. It's always good to catch up with the team and get some thoughts from Coach Conzo Martin. Best to you as you move forward. We'll be watching closely. I want to make sure that people know also that they can head to Mizzou Arena for your game against Wofford on Monday night the 18th you also have a home game against Moorhead State on the 20th and you'll be going to the Sprint Center to play Butler on the 25th so a nice November for you exciting times in November is always fun because those games seem to be around around the corner you look up it's another game we had Xavier then we're back at home on Monday so again a great opportunity I'm looking forward to playing this and I looking forward to having some fun have a good trip have some fun we appreciate it Thank you for having me. Great to catch up with Conzo Martin always on KMOX. Nice of him to join us. When we come back, Mizzou football coach Barry Odom will be with us. It's 11-14 on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 11-18. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Tom Ackerman with you and joining us on the line as he does after every game is Barry Odom. After every game, win or lose. And losing the game 27 to nothing to Georgia doesn't feel very good, I'm certain. But he always picks up the phone and calls us, and we certainly appreciate that. You definitely don't uh, duck any or hide from any questions. You've always been that way, Barry Odom. Good morning to you. What's up, Tom? I hope, uh, hope you guys are doing great. And uh, appreciate the chance to to get on the phone with you again this week. Um, you know, there are some some things you, you nobody likes losing. You know, and I I, I hate it. Uh, but but also I know what we've got done in in the next three weeks. I know what our team's going to do. Uh, we're going to get some guys back. I think next week with Kelly and Jonathan Johnson will help us on offense. Um, and really, you know, there's there's not a lot of uh, opportunities that. We understand we, we got to go back to work, and you know we weren't efficient enough against a really good team. I think you know top five team in the country at their place. I thought our defense at times uh, they, they played they played lights out. Uh, you know we gave up two touchdowns, and fortunately we're in a position we held on the field goals the rest of the time, or uh, or it would have gotten away from us a lot quicker. So you know offensively we got we got to find answers, and because uh, right now the last three weeks haven't been very good haven't been good on being able to run the ball. There's been no vertical passing game. So uh, plan-wise, we've got to get our guys an opportunity to go find a way to do that here down the next three weeks. Yeah, I watched your press conference last night, and the first thing that you said was Georgia is a very good football team, maybe better than they even get credit for. And, you know, people would look at the season and say Georgia lost to South Carolina, Missouri kind of had its way with South Carolina. So how does Georgia dominate a football team like that? Well, I mean, things happen in college football, and they can happen very quickly. Yeah, you look really at that game, Georgia and South Carolina, I think they turned the ball over four times, uh, which is uncharacteristic on you know Kirby's teams on what, what they were known for and what they do. Their front seven defensively, you know, just look the way they play the run and they're so active. Uh, and the, the pressure that they're able to apply on the quarterback – um, they've got really good players. They've got a great scheme, and I think they're going to win a bunch of games down the stretch. Uh, you know, there's not too many years ago Georgia came here and beat Missouri 31 to nothing, so it's not like it hadn't happened. Uh, I don't like it, but we got to we got to find a way to continue to move forward and 
your guys ready to go. And the mental game and the mental approach is so huge. You know, it's a delicate uh, line of you know, push them and get ready to go play and prepare them, but also build them up. And, uh, you know, that's the name of the game for, for really every, every team in the country, minus five or six teams. When was it determined, Coach, that Kelly Bryant couldn't play in that game last night? Had a strong indication on uh, Friday night, you know, Friday after we went through the run through the final run through practice before we got on the plane to go, uh, you know, with, with the help of our sports medicine team and docs, you know, really looking at the, the smart approach. Uh, Kelly's a competitive dude and really wanted to play and just, he wasn't to the speed that he needed to to go play the game the way that he does to be able to escape move the pocket quarterback run game and get out of trouble uh, wouldn't have been the wisest thing to do uh, you know he goes out there and, and re-injures it uh, then he's lost for the year and that, that wasn't something that uh, any of us were were uh, wanting to do and I think you know you look at the safety of your kids and the things that you want them to be able to do he has to be able to go function you know and understand you know whatever percentage he was health-wise uh you know the the risk of that um being able to protect himself and, and efficiently play ball other than you know running in a pool or running straight ahead that's a lot different than going out and playing a game so uh he was close but not not in position to be able to help us uh, the way that he would need to. So, um, you know, we'll get him back and feel like with another couple of days here and getting him in position to uh, go lead us uh, this week against Florida coming up to, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, Florida Saturday, 11 a.m. at Faroe Field. It was Taylor Powell starting in his place. Tough assignment there in his first start. Have to do it in Athens against Georgia, a team that I'm sure probably made you have to throw the ball a little bit because of their strong run defense. But that was an assignment for you and for your offensive coordinator, Derek Dooley, to try to figure out a way to run the football to help Powell. But at the same time, if they're not going to allow you to, you got to throw it. And you got to find Albert O as well, don't you? Yeah, we targeted him a number of times. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we didn't win some contested battles there. Uh, We missed a shot down the field to Cam Scott. You know, could have probably – uh, it would have, definitely would have been an explosive play, but we weren't, weren't able to secure the catch and make the catch. And then, um, you know, I thought Taylor battled. I don't think that there's, you know, it, it wasn't perfect by any stretch. Uh, he's under pressure, you know, at times, you know, made some missed throws, but also had some moments that uh, he, he went in and he competed. And I'm, I'm proud of the way that he approached the week. You know, he pr- approached it just like he does every week on, on getting in position to be ready to go play. You know, there's not anything that, that we really couldn't call minus the quarterback run game. Uh, you know, try to stay in there. You know, came up short a couple of times and fourth and short early on in the game. And, you know, deciding factor, if you go for it at that moment or not, still trying to flip the field and play, play defense because our defense was playing really well at the time. Barry Odom is with us, a Mizzou football coach on KMOX. It just seems like such a sharp drop-off you were – ranked you were playing in front of a huge crowd at Faroe Field you were you'd won five in a row at home the the momentum you're heading to Vanderbilt everything seemed to be going in your direction it's just hard to understand and there is I maybe there isn't an easy answer for this as to what exactly happened between that win over Ole Miss and suddenly three straight losses on the road Georgia is a tough team on the road but Vanderbilt and Kentucky and then Georgia yeah, no, I, I I sure wish I could give you one one real quick easy answer, but that that's uh, if I had it, uh, then 
um, we could we could wave the wand and get it fixed. But it's a process of trying to continue to move and do the things that you need to do to win games. And for uh, for a number of reasons, you know, the last three weeks we haven't been able to do that. Um, so the things that I know, you got to try to fix problems, correct problems, but then you got to be full steam ahead and go jump in and keep working and keep battling and keep swinging. And eventually you're going to break down the wall again and get back in the winner's circle. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to focus up and uh, put all of our efforts into trying to put together a great game plan against Florida and uh, then go execute and try to play at a high level in all three phases of the game. I don't know if you've heard the reports. I don't know if Arkansas made this officially yet, but that Chad Morris has been let go as the head coach of the Razorbacks after 22 games. Boy, this is a this is a tough business, tough league, and Arkansas, a once proud program that's on your schedule at the end of the year, big rival, uh, is going to be having a coach on an interim basis. Things can happen pretty fast around this league. I, didn't, I have not seen that report. Uh, Chad's a good man. He's a good coach. Uh, he's good for the game of college football. And I know that the way that he ran his program on developing young men, uh, if, if that is true, he'll rebound. You know, he'll he'll uh, surface again at, at another place and have a lot of success. Uh, he's a guy that I've gotten to know over the years and got a lot of respect for. Finally, just to, with a big game against Florida, and I know that this is t- not the easiest sell right now because your team has dropped three in a row, but if you could send a message to your base, uh, the people that support your program, and get, send a message to them as to what you'd like to see from them on Saturday at 11 a.m. when your team takes the field against the Florida Gators, a team obviously that's playing well right now. Yeah, I would love for fans to support the University of Missouri and to support the student-athletes that go pour in so many things throughout the week and then go line up and play for three and a half hours. This group has done a lot of really good things. Uh, we've still got a chance to, to get bowl eligible. We need the next win to have that happen. We need a home field advantage. And, you know, I, the, the Mizzou faithful and the Mizzou fans, they, they understand uh, the reasons that we need the support. And uh, I know our kids will work really hard this week. We'll be ready to go play and try to get to the position that we play our best game. I always appreciate you stepping up and being on the show and giving your side of any win or loss. And a loss to Georgia, 27 to nothing. You bounce back and play on Saturday against the Florida Gators. Best to your team, always the best of health, and we wish you uh, a very good week in Columbia. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. Have a great week. Appreciate it. Thank you. There's the head coach of the Tigers, Barry Odom. We'll be back with John Mosellock, another man we respect, who will come on and talk some baseball with me right after this. It's Sports on a Sunday Morning. The president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals is next. It's 1128. Welcome back. To the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass pre-owned on South Limburg. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports on a Sunday morning continues. Tom Ackerman with you at 1132. Mike Grimm, the voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, is confirmed for 1145. Can't wait to hear from him. His Gophers, man, what a performance that was. They beat Penn State yesterday. They're 9-0. Everybody kind of forgot about them. They are knocking on the door, not only the Big Ten, but they're starting to get some love for a possible college football playoff spot. They still have a lot of work to do. But that's a great win over Penn State. Joining us right now is John Mosellock, the president of baseball operations of the St. Louis Cardinals. Great, as always, to have you on KMOX Radio. Do you get into college football at all, Mo? You're from Boulder, so that's a 
When, when you were growing up, that team was starting to, to get it going, wasn't it? Well, they had a big win yesterday. Um, I don't follow college football like I once did, but um, my father was a Penn State grad, so you're killing him. Um, but, you know, like anybody this time of year, I don't have that much going on, so I'll tune in a game or two. So I watched the LSU game last night. Oh, I did too. Man, why wow, there's so much talent on that field. Oh, my goodness. What an incredible game that was. What an atmosphere. That's a great place, by the way. Alabama is kind of like when Bush Stadium is rocking. Smart crowd. They know their stuff. It's not the most raucous or rude uh, place. You know, like LSU is a crazy scene. Alabama just has great uh, tradition, great feel. It's a lot of fun. Those those, Those were some heavyweights going at it last night. Yes, it was. Big time. Um, by the way, Folsom Field, I always had some fun going. I've been to a few games over at Colorado. I had some yeah, good times. Great, great atmosphere. Beautiful place, too. Good times. So it's been a, a couple weeks since we had you on the show, and you know, a little bit of a, an off-season breather here as you get ready for the GM meetings in Arizona. You had a press conference where you met with the media at Bush Stadium, kind of laid out, uh, and look back at 2019 and some of the thoughts on 2020. Uh, I think the the feel that I got from it was the fact that you know you're really at this point feeling like your philosophy is working that the the developing players through the system and seeing what they can do and growing your team in that way is working and you've found a way to get back to the NLCS while acknowledging there are still a lot of things that you need to do moving ahead. Yeah, I would imagine over the next uh, month or so, we'll probably find some things we haven't thought about. We've probably um, put a lot of energy into just trying to get a better understanding of what perhaps the trade market looks like. Um, obviously, this this first uh, week out in uh, Arizona will be spent mostly meeting with agents and just trying to get a sense of what that looks like. But you know, from our standpoint, we feel pretty good about where we are. We're certainly going to try to explore what ways we think we can get better. But to your point, we are going to uh, bet heavily on on our future, on what we're developing in our minor leagues. So, you know, a lot, uh, a lot's invested in that. And when you look at at some of the talent we have coming, we're certainly excited about that. You do have a lot of great talent coming. I want to talk about them in just a moment. Uh, also, when it comes to free agency and trades, I, I everybody would love to see off-season splashes, I think, from a fan standpoint. It's entertaining. There's a lot that goes on from that standpoint. Uh, I'm, you're not going to come out, though, in a press conference like that at Bush Stadium and say, hey, we're going to be – I mean, we're going to spend some money. I mean, we're going to we're going to make we're going to be aggressive. We're going to we're going to make trades. We're going to spend some money. I mean, no. Does anybody come out and and say that right away if you're the executive of a baseball team? Well, I think uh, the answer is sometimes. Um, you know, you go back to, to last year, and and you know, we certainly thought we had to do something as we approached the, the end of uh, eighteen. And we're trying to reflect on how we thought we could get better. And so we knew we would be active somewhere, whether it was that, you know, heavily involved in the trade market or free agent market and ultimately trying to improve our club. So, you know, like trying to have somebody show what their off season strategy might look like, I don't think is necessarily bad, but there's also times where there are strategic reasons why you want to be a little bit, hold things a little closer to your vest before you just start uh, announcing things. Plus there's always that sort of uh, 
trying to help manage expectations, right? And so you can claim you're going to be very aggressive, and if you're not, then people really are disappointed. Whereas if you temper that a little bit, it's a little bit more controlled atmosphere. The free agent market last year was so slow, and I think a lot of people were hoping that there would be some fireworks at the winter meetings and on and on. But you know, the the Bryce Harper one that everybody was paying attention to really dragged on for a long time. Do you expect this? Not an easy question to answer because you haven't even gotten to the GM meetings yet. But do you do you expect the free agent market to be that way again? You know, I hope not because I I don't think it was necessarily the. Uh the greatest thing for our game when, when people are just complaining about it. But I will say one of the, the unintended consequences was everybody was talking about it. Yes. So, you know, there's a, there's a give and take there. Um, not sure which is more valuable or, or better, but, you know, I think this year there's obviously some dynamic free agents out there. Um, it will be an interesting off season just because majority of the elite free agents are controlled by one agent. So I, I definitely think it'll be fun to see how that, that unfolds. But, you know, with regard to um, the pace of it, it really is an unknown. And that agent would be Scott Boris, as we all know. One uh, client who is no longer with Scott Boris, though, is Marcelo Zuna, who just finished a season where he drove in 89, hit 29 home runs, missed a good chunk of time. It's not easy to replace your cleanup hitter. Uh, he hasn't left yet. You've given him a qualifying offer of $17.8 million. He has a little more time to accept or move on from that. But kind of where do you stand right now in your mind on Marcelo Zuna? Well, it's the question shouldn't be where do I stand in my mind. The question is, is you know, where are we with with this type of negotiation? And um, as you know, and you've you've known me a long time, we don't talk about free agents. We don't talk about where we are in negotiations. So unfortunately, it's just not a question I can engage. But you know, as I stated earlier. This week, I'll start to have some defining moments, and we'll see where it goes. Gotcha. Uh, And then when it comes to Adam Wainwright and some conversations there, how are things progressing with one of the great right-handers this team has ever seen? See my last answer. Um, (laughs) Nothing changes, Tommy, in in what I can say here. I got you. Um, There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of things you don't want to get yourself in trouble with, and unfortunately, that's not a popular answer for your listeners, but... Um, you don't get here by luck, so you got to focus on <laughs> staying true. That's right. Hey, you know you're you're doing your job absolutely. I'm, I'm putting those two names out there, of course, because those are the two names that most people are buzzing about after the season and want to see their future. We all understand that, but that's that's the answer, and that's what you have to do. I, I look at your outfield, and I don't know. Uh, I think you have some great options if Marcelo Zuna is not back. Um, inexperience, yes, but one of them, Dexter Fowler, is still under contract. Harrison Bader has started in center field, uh, still under contract, and, and somebody that has seen a lot of good time. Uh, but, boy, do you have some options. I mean, Rosarena and O'Neal and Lane Thomas. And if, if something were to happen where he was good enough to be on this 2020 team. Dylan Carlson certainly has the tools. I mean, I, I think you'd have to feel good about your depth right now. Well, we do. And, and I think part of when you just list off those names is trying to figure out what that would look like if any of those individuals were to actually get 650 plate appearances, what would that, what, what type of performance would we get? And so, 
you know, that's one of those, those very difficult questions that internally from the baseball side we're trying to answer. But, you know, time will tell. Um, but to my earlier point on, on where we feel good about what we have coming, that's why we're excited. Yeah, there's an exciting time right now. I, I You know, another prospect that I'm excited to see what he looks like in the next few years is Andrew Kisner. Just looking back on what he's done for you, his rise over the last couple of years, how would you evaluate him? Well, he's had a, a very steady and progressive trip through the minor leagues. I still, I still think as a converted player, meaning a position change from infield to catcher, there's still some things that, that he needs to work on to, to really sort of take that role of an everyday player at the big league level. But I certainly felt like when he came up to the big leagues this past year, there were reasons to be excited. And I felt like some of the, the defensive liabilities that some people would talk about, I didn't see. So I really feel like his progression is going quite well. And I think we've all got to see the offensive upside that he might bring to a lineup. So you know, if you combine those two skills, it's going to be something that will be exciting to watch over the next few years. And those that will eventually throw to him uh, when he is a catcher, you've got some great names in there. You feel like you have good depth in terms of starters for the future right now, John? You know, I definitely feel like um, we have a lot of good options. Um, some of that is a bit untested. And we still have that big question mark, which, what, what are we going to get out of someone like an Alex Reyes? And, you know, you got to be careful on building a team around potential because sometimes that can be very disappointing. But having said that, there are these, these, these talents that have yet to really get to where we hope they would be. So I think it's a really important offseason for someone like, like Alex. I think somebody like Ponce de Leon is looking for that opportunity. I'm, I'm not sure. Sh- you know, saying he's going to get a starting spot or will he have a role in the bullpen. But when you look at, at, at the depth or options we have, you know, we certainly feel good about where we are from a pitching standpoint. And just finally, to circle back to offense and trying to get better from within, uh, how can – this is, again, very general question here, but we all saw the inconsistencies of the offense. So what – sort of things would you like to see laid out in this off season and leading into spring training and then through that spring training program, how do you improve offensive consistency with this group? Well, I, I feel a couple things. One is, you know, last year we, we made a dramatic change in, in how we thought about what we were going to teach, what we wanted to see our hitters do. And, you know, in hindsight, I think, you know, we probably tried to be a little bit too aggressive on that note. So this offseason, we're going to have a little bit more time to digest that. I think, you know, trying to follow Jeff Albert's philosophy on hard contact, just add the word often in there and you'll feel better about it. But, you know, ultimately he's one of those guys that I think from a, from a teaching standpoint and approach standpoint, he could be a, a, a huge asset to all our hitters. And I, and I certainly am, very bullish that our offense is going to look a little different next year. And I think how we go about it and how we approach it from an, from an off season strategy is very important and very critical to our success. 
And I promise you, we're going to work very hard on that. And uh, I really look forward to seeing what those results might look like. Two quick things before we go, and these are a lot of fun. One, Colton Wong. Man, to see that smile on his face when he held that gold glove, (laughs) that that is something. He's worked hard, hasn't he, to get to that point? Well, he has, and he's an extremely talented player. And, and when you put it all together, you can see uh, such a positive outcome. But, you know, I, I think overall when you look at just where he was from a year ago to where he is today, he's grown, he's matured, and uh, should have a really bright future in front of him. Yeah, with Goldschmidt and Young and Flaherty, and Bader and Molina all in top three at their positions. Those five don't get the gold glove, and Wong does. That tells you something about this defensive turnaround. It really is remarkable. And One of the guys behind that is Mike Schilt and what he did to put emphasis on that. You have to be pretty proud that in his first full year as a manager, he's in the running for manager of the year and could win it. Yeah, I think he has a really good chance. Um, Yeah, I'm extremely proud of him. But not surprised. Uh, talented guy, works hard, um, very intentional on how he goes about his day and, and what his expectations are. So those are the things that attract you about someone like him. And, uh, you know, certainly hopeful that he does win it. Appreciate your time very much. It's always great to have you on KMOX. Thanks for talking some ball with me. All right. Thank you. Thank you. John Mosellock, president of baseball operations, St. Louis Cardinals. Quick break. When we come back, Mike Grimm wraps up the show with some college football. We're going to talk about the Big Ten, Illinois, and also the college football playoff. Who should be the top four when it's revealed on Tuesday? Back in a moment, it's 1146. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Wants to go deep, center of the field, shorters out there, the ball's intercepted! Intercepted! Antoine Winfield, his Big Ten leading sixth of the year, and the place is going bonkers. Minnesota will have it first down at its own six. Second and nine, blitz from the corner comes, picked up by Brooks. They want to go deep to Bateman. He's out there, Scott! pass. They want to set up that middle screen to Alvin Bell. He has the catch. Puts on a move. 15. Down to the 10. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown! Woo! Listen to that. Mike Grimm with the call on IMG College. Learfield IMG College. The home of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. It's 11:51, and joining us is the voice of the Gophers and the former KMOXer Mike Grimm. They had, they did go nuclear as Minnesota took an early lead on Penn State, and then had to hold them off, didn't they, for a win? Nine and zero go the Gophers. How are you, Grimmer? Yeah, doing great. That guy got a little excited on the radio. It sounded like <laughs> to me. Um, yeah, it was a fun day. Uh, it, it's kind of a first for a lot of people here in Minnesota from a college football standpoint. I mean, the Vikings have offered some really, you know, close and good moments. But um, from from this Gopher football team, that's the first time they had been eight and zero since nineteen forty one. Um, and you know, they have had some decent seasons. You know, our old buddy Jerry Kill from Southern Illinois. Um, had had been building this program. They had made a Citrus Bowl on January 1st and, um, you know, had won eight or nine games a couple of times, but never could kind of punch through. And so yesterday was kind of a, uh, I would call it kind of a marquee win. It was a first sellout since 2015. Penn State was ranked fourth in the playoffs. And, um, and you know, for three quarters, um, I thought Minnesota pretty well controlled the game. Obviously, as you mentioned, it got a little hairy there in the fourth. And 
they got the benefit of a of a dicey offensive pass interference call late to help, and then made made the interception in the end zone to seal it. And here they are, nine and zero, a real amazing run they're on right now. Do they have a shot? I mean, can they? What what do you when you see the rest of their schedule? Can they get undefeated before the Big Ten title game? Well, it, it's interesting. Um, they're you know they, they have a chance to win every game left on their schedule. Um, they're at Iowa next week. Iowa narrowly lost on the road in Madison against Wisconsin yesterday, and Iowa has, is a team that. Uh, it looks like to me has been able to move the football up and down the field. And then they've had to settle for field goals. Uh, They have like 21 touchdowns and 21 field goals, which that's not a great mix. It shows you're getting in there. You're, you're, you're getting into scoring position, but you're just not, uh, you know, banging it into the end zone. And that's a problem. Their defense is one of the tops in the country. So can they win that game? The Gophers next week? Absolutely. They haven't won at Kinnick stadium since 1999. So it's 20 years. Um, It was interesting. Yesterday's win over Penn state marked, um, 20 years and one day. So it was one day and 20 years since they, uh, a Glenn Mason coach gopher team beat Penn State when they were ranked second in the country uh, back then, Penn State was, and that was a big upset. So maybe uh, they can exercise, the Gophers can exercise a couple of demons, and uh, in 20 years uh, they, they can, uh, you know, in that uh, drought at Kinnick Stadium as well. As you know, it's a tough place to, to win. And then they're at Northwestern, and on paper that's a game Minnesota Look, uh, Northwestern, after winning the division last year, has really fallen on hard times offensively, and um, it, this Gopher defense is pretty good. So, I, you know, that that would be a big upset, but that's why they play them, right? I mean, that's the you know you and I talked a couple weeks ago about how look at that what that Illinois win, huge upset against Wisconsin has propelled Lovey Smith's team into. Now they're bowl eligible with their win yesterday in historic fashion, and then they're at Wisconsin on the last week of the season. So, are they all winnable? Yes. Could they do it? They could, um, but uh, it's going to be an uphill fight. The Wisconsin game, by the way, is in Minneapolis, so that will be a home game. That Illinois team, that's fun. I mean, they win 37-34. They come back. They were down 28-3 to and then 31-10 to in the fourth quarter, and they come back and win 37-34 in Michigan State. Mike Grimm is with us, the voice of the Gophers. I guess a final thing for you here in the last couple minutes you and I can discuss, but how do you determine a top four right now in the college football playoff? I always felt yeah. that Ohio State was the best team in the country, and then I saw LSU do what they did. Boy, those are two really good ones there, and Clemson's now going to sneak back in, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I, I don't think there's any doubt that, that Ohio State and LSU are the top two now. Um, and then it gets a little, uh, you know, a little bit um, subjective. Uh, you know, if there's a bias, and I know, uh, you know, a lot of folks in Missouri will not like a Big Ten guy saying that there's there. I, I do think, look, the SEC is the best league in the country. I believe that. But I also think there is some bias uh, in that um, what oftentimes happens is if, like, like when Illinois knocked off, uh, not knocked off uh, Wisconsin, the, the narrative seemed to be, ooh, maybe the Big Ten's not as good. You know, Wisconsin was ranked sixth in the country at the time. But when a similar thing happens in the SEC, like a Mississippi State, let's say, might knock off an Alabama, the narrative is, look at how deep that league is. It's <laughs> yeah, unbelievable, yeah. right? right? Yeah. I mean, you got you got the seventh-best team in the league beating Alabama. I mean, that's a deep league. So, um, you know, I, I do tire of that a little bit. So that is going to be interesting to see. I mean, Minnesota's uh, was 17th in the playoff rankings. I thought that was a little low. I don't think it'll matter. I don't think that, you know, I, I don't think they'll run the table and then beat Ohio State, right? That's going to be a hard hard ask to do that. So I think it's irrelevant, really, I mean, the playoff rankings. But the, the, for, from a Minnesota standpoint, from a, from a national standpoint, 
I saw some guy had Oklahoma ranked fourth. I don't know how you, I don't know how you can Come put on. Oklahoma fourth right now, right? How can you put Oklahoma fourth? I mean, no, there's, you can't. there's other teams better, you know. Yeah, you can't put them fourth. I, I watched I watched so much uh, of of them and saw them yesterday almost blow it to Ohio uh, to Iowa State, who's actually a pretty good team. Uh, Mike, I'm really really happy for you. You deserve this, and I'm excited for everybody up in Minnesota. All the best to you. I hope you guys continue to win and win out and continue the good stuff because that was a lot of fun to see yesterday. Yeah, thanks, Tom. You're the best, man. I always enjoy coming back on KMOX. You know that. It's great to have a KMOXer doing what he's doing. Mike Grimm, the voice of the Gophers. Thanks for joining us. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.